Troubled Nation. Greetings. Renee Komen, sitting with your host, Manny Chevrolet, the original Troubled Man. How, how is everybody? I'm still looking <laughs> good, at Good, good. Okay, yeah, there's my pen. Okay. We are the Troubled Men for Troubled Times, <laughs> and this is the Troubled oh, Men Podcast. That's right, people. Nation, our nation. Troubled Nation. How is the nation doing? Trouble never ends. I know that. I know. But the struggle continues. The struggle continues. Um, so back at the fabulous NOAC, New Orleans Athletic Club. Isn't this place fabulous? Sure is. Back in the ring room. It's, the ring uh, room. It's quiet tonight. Yeah. Is, uh, well, we're here on a night we've never been on a Monday night. It's here. true. It's, we know you're going to hate Thursdays. We're not right. sure about Mondays are going to go. <laughs> but, you know, um, the thing about Mondays... Mondays is a because re- I come here on Monday nights to work out. Mondays always really busy because everyone's so decadent over the weekend, so they come here on Mondays to try to like sweat it all out, you know that kind of shit. This, right. Which I, what, I'm the same. I do the same thing. It's like, well, I'll go to the gym on Monday because I had those twelve beers on Sunday, that kind of <laughs> stuff, and I'll just sweat it all out, you know. But the older you get, I mean, it's just impossible. You well, know? It's, Monday's kind of the uh, it's the New Year's Eve of the week, it's right? The, it's the it's the the New Year's resolution for the week. That's you know? a good way of looking at it. Exactly. It's yeah. You know, I'm going to change. I'm going to kick tomorrow, as uh, Perry right. Farrell said. You know, <laughs> as Perry Farrell once said, I'm going to kick tomorrow, and and every Monday's like that. Right. Exactly. Well, you know, it's. Uh Gives you some contour to the week. You know, that's, that's, I actually use that as a uh, strategy when I'm calling people. Sometimes I, I won't call them on Monday because I know all the people that don't have a lot of horsepower are going right. to call them on Monday. And right. They're going to peter out by Tuesday. Right. So if I wait till Tuesday, I might have a clean shot, you know, <laughs> getting their attention. Right. They, they've had the whole day to deal with, you know, those, those, people that think well if i get you to do something that's almost as good as me doing something you know that's like some people they they start to feel a a lack of of movement in their life you know lack of forward progress and they're the way they often the way some people will will handle that is they think okay um who can i call and get them to do something and that sort of takes the place it's like well it's some movement some movement is always good yeah but you know it's be better if each of these people would do the things that they need to do as opposed to, well, let me just think of things I can get other people to, to do. But whatever, you know. It's, uh, how I'm sorry. I, I just went to the Bahamas for like a second. That's okay. Like I said, I, I, I haven't... Um, that's an indication that I'm probably barking up the wrong tree anyhow. <laughs> this is a dry hole, Manny. Yeah. I, 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 I'm just like um, a little bit... Um, I mean, we haven't done this in like over two weeks, right? Um, Something like that, or no, ten it's days. Like, it's about ten days. Yeah, we, we we weren't able to do it last week because we're coming up to festival season. I had a whole lot of gigs God. to play. You know, you what have, do you mean? It's always festival season. It's always festival season you know, in New Orleans. That's we, right. Well, you know, they had the French Quarter Fest that just completed. Did you play that this weekend? I sure did. I played uh, played French Quarter Festival with Lynn Drury on Friday. And then got rained out on Saturday. Right now, the it's never great to get rained out. But the good thing about this was we got we we were rained out the day before it happened. So 
I didn't have to get up at 8.30 in the morning right. to start getting ready to, to do a gig. make a 12.30 gig that right. I was ultimately not going to play anyhow. Right, right. So I knew, oh, okay, I'm off tomorrow. I can just stay up. Yeah, because, I mean, the, it was like, know. bad weather, bad weather. Everyone, you know, it's like crazy. And, right. And it didn't seem like it wound up being as bad as they talked about, although my mother did say that they had nine inches of rain over the... 24 hours. No, that's, it was bad. I thought it was pretty... Rain. I mean, there was a lot of rain. There's no way you can enjoy a festival in that rain. No, no. I think the, the real thing they were mostly concerned with... I mean, of course, uh, the rain is going to ruin the, you know, the, the crowd's ability to enjoy it. I mean, yeah. it'll, it'll ruin the crowds, but... On a on a safety issue, it's the high yeah. winds is what they were really right. afraid of. Winds. That's and what they, they thought. They, they got to protect themselves. And also, didn't like on Thursday when the festival started. We're talking about the French Quarter Festival, people, right in New Orleans. Um, in New Orleans, which is a free festival, it lasts four days, like a four day thing. I heard and him say it was the world's largest free festival. Really? Yeah, I believe it. It's huge. Is it? But then on Thursday, apparently. A diesel tanker, because it's on or along the river in the quarter, and a diesel tanker hit something, and all this diesel fuel spilled out into the river and went towards where the festival goes. It was right by the, some of the stages. Yeah, yeah and people, I, I, I talked to someone who went there on Thursday and said, the festival was fun, but the smell was awful. Wow, really? Yeah, the smell of the diesel. She couldn't take it. You know, so I told her, did you light a match? You know, maybe just light a match, you know, and, <laughs> you know, get rid of that smell. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, but I, I haven't been in that. You know, I don't go. I just don't go out much anymore. And I don't really like festivals. It's, I, it's, it, it's very crowded. It's I mean, very you, crowded. And, you know, me, I really don't really care for people. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> no, it, you know, I, I didn't go except for the day that I was hired to play there. Right. In fact, right. even yesterday, my father played. Oh yeah, and I didn't go. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, it's, you two, you two have a, uh, a relationship. Uh, uh, you know, he yeah. didn't come see me play the day before there or you on go. Friday. There you go. You know, there I understand. I can walk better than he can. Yeah. I didn't expect him to come see me. What he knows I, what I play like. I didn't know he was a musician. He, what does he play? Um, he's a saxophone player. Oh, plays who, saxophone, who clarinet, play and flute. Um, he was playing with this guy Rhodes Spadell, who's a keyboard piano player oh i did not know um, that about your yeah, dad yeah my father's played music his entire life you know he was a school band director as a kid uh always you know played well in, down here it's kind of you're born into it you got to you know take up an instrument uh, well not like. everybody but he, he he certainly has done it his entire life even when he was you know teaching school or when he was a superintendent right. he's playing jobs on the weekends and at night the entire time you know he, he just loves to do it and, and now he's retired and you know, he goes and plays with the Delgado Big Band one day a week, uh, which has like four college-age students in and, it, and, and about ten retired time, uh, band leaders or band directors well, who are in their, cool. you know, 70s and 80s. And uh, so he does that one day a week, and he plays with the American Legion or the VFW Band another night. And Is he a mason? He's not a Mason. Okay. No. What the hell is a Mason? Mason, it's a you know fraternal organization. It's supposed to be non-denominational. They 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 uh, trace their lineage back to Hiram Abiff, who was the master Mason on Solomon's Temple. According right, because every day, every night story. when we come here, when we come to this place, we, we we pass a Masonic temple. Is that the same thing? Sure. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and it's right in the heart of the ghetto. 
Which well, I, they they they've had they have them all over the place. I mean, there there's some some there's more than one Masonic temple in New Orleans. Yeah. There's that one right on uh, St. Charles Avenue, uh-huh. um, close to the overpass. You know, close to like Cleo or the one of those streets. But yeah, the Masons are you know used to be a much more popular thing than it is now. Like many of those kind of. You know the elks. The elks aren't. It's it's not a growth period for the elks yeah, or the, the, elks. the, the those moose. are the guys who rode the yeah. little cars and have the uh, the, well, little, the shriners. The shriners. The shriners. They're yeah. all kind of related. Yeah, you know, yeah. tangentially. Yeah, it's sad. Those, those they get the fez. You know, that's where the fez, fez comes yeah, from. Yeah, the fez it's, with the shriners. Yeah. See, I, I I'm not interested in any of that shit. Well, you know, you you just. You have that same impulse towards uh, fellowship. You just seek different company, you right? Know, you 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 find look for people like me, right? <laughs> Which I'm yeah. not involved in anyway, right? Either. Yeah. Well, it's that old thing, you know. I don't want to be a part of a club that have me as a member, kind of thing. You know, that that's that's part of it too. But listen, um, we were talking. I guess remember, like weeks and weeks ago, we were talking about um, having problems with the tenant. And sure. it's so hard to figure out the tone. Right. From a text. From a text. Yes. Well, that happened to me last week. It happened to me, the whole tone of a text. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know if I told you this, but um, the um, Mr. Brown, who was like the old man on our street. Sure. He was our neighborhood watch. He'd been the living sheriff. there. The sheriff. The sheriff of the street. We called him, you know, the mayor of North White Street. That kind of stuff. Well, he passed. Right. He was like 82 or something. Like that. He, he passed and... And, Thoughts and prayers, people. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a prick at times, but he was a good guy. But hey, anyway, all? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the whole getting back to the tone of text is that um, finally, after three weeks of being dead, his daughter said, we're having this memorial for him. He'd been cremated and stuff. Okay, all right. And they're going to have this memorial for him. And we have this, I have this one neighbor who was very close to Mr. Brown in, in, in some ways. Um, and so we got the text, and my wife sent the text out to everyone in the street, you know, just forwarded it to everyone. Right. And, and, and then this, this neighbor of mine uh, was like, I don't know, maybe it's, it's a millennial thing because he's kind of a younger guy, um, but he was like, um, kept, kept writing back, well, I don't see his funeral on the funeral home's website. I don't see anything like that. And it was like my wife kept on saying, well, you know, he, he's, this is happening. We just got the text from the daughter. Uh-huh. So if you don't see it on the website or not, it's happening. Right. And then, you know, it was back and forth, back and forth. And it was a group text. Oh, Jesus. So I kept getting this stuff. Uh-huh. So, finally, so was everybody else yeah. on well, the street. I think so. yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I finally, I just said, you know, he's been dead for over three weeks now. Let's get this over with. It's done, all right? <laughs> and it went to his daughter. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it didn't. No, it didn't. No, okay, no. Good. Thankfully, no, that didn't happen to his daughter. No. But for some reason, I guess my tone, one of the people, one of the people on the street. Took exception to it. Well, thought that, that, well, it's done. I guess it's supposed to be over, so it's not really happening. Or, you know, he didn't understand that I was fucking joking, I guess. Right, know? right. You know, I, yeah, I am no. who I am, you know? Yeah, boy, it's really hard to, to, <laughs> to hear sarcasm in a text. You know, it's just like, you know, stop texting. I'm tired of being part of this group to begin with. You know, sorry to be in a, Right. You know, so, it's a, and you know what happened? He didn't believe, because he didn't see it on this funeral home's website, he didn't believe that it was actually happening. So he never showed up. 
Oh, jeez. You know, so, so over the weekend, I said, uh, what happened to you Friday? You know, it was Friday morning. We had this big, you know, they had this big memorial for this guy. And he goes, what? What? And it was like a deer in the headlights. He was so confused. He was like, what? Well, the website. I said, this is like uh, a, an old, old fucking funeral home. Yeah, they they're, not, they're not hip to the website. Yeah, they're man. not hip to any of this stuff. I mean, they have one. Right. You know, but they're not, you know, there's not someone there 24-7 working on it. Right. And, so, and the funniest thing about this, so I went to the, to the memorial on Friday, and the funniest thing, well, there's a couple of funny things. Is that I took my daughter, my wife and I took her, because she loved Mr. Brown. Right. So we took her, we held her out from school, we took her, and it opened with um, a big, these two women singing beautiful gospel music. Beautiful, just gorgeous. I mean, you could feel the love coming from their, into your body. I mean, I was feeling it. I was feeling some love. Right on. But they told everyone, stand up, clap your hands, stand up. So we stand up. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. We're clapping our hands. And I don't know if you've ever been to one of these black funerals where there's heavy gospel music and it's a keyboard player. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, and it was, just, it was just right. I mean, it was really cool. It was right. really cool. And we're clapping our hands. But then after about five minutes, I'm thinking to myself, this has got to end soon, right? Yeah. This has got to end. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're clapping our hands, and my daughter's getting bored with clapping. Uh-huh. You know? And, and uh, so... So they're, I think it's Jesus, you know, praise to Jesus, praise the Lord, praise to Jesus. And you think it's winding down. So, so me and my daughter, we start to sit down. And then the whole other chorus comes. Uh, <laughs> it's like more. And it happened like not twice. Not so fast, yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. Not so fast, you know. Exactly. So it was like going on and on and on. And finally we sat down. And then the preacher comes on, and he starts saying this and this, you know, preacher stuff. And the organ player was so smooth. He was great. You would have sure, loved him. Yeah. He was just like right on every word, every verb that he was saying. He was switching it up. And, yeah. I mean, he had it down. Right. Man. You know, he had it down. But it was so funny because my wife taps me, and she goes, you know what? I said, what? Mr. Brown would have hated this. He would have hated this. <laughs> and you know what? He would have. I thought yeah. about it. I go, this, he would have hated this. Right. He would have hated this because he was very anti all that. But right. yet his, his daughter, I guess, decided, well, this is the way it's got to be and stuff like that. That happens so often, yeah. man. You yeah. know, it's, 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 it gets, all this stuff gets decided by some relative because it's what they want. Right. It's what they Well, think. he only had the one daughter and grandchildren. Yeah. That was it. Right. But... At the same time, you know, they cremated him, so there was a, just this jar of ashes there right. with an American flag because he was a veteran. Uh-huh. And, you know, we're all, everyone's pumping and jumping to this guy, and he's, he's just sitting there in a box. Right. You know, or a jar. You sure. Know, you know, and she goes, he would have hated this. And I was just like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they say funerals are for the living, right? It's, well, yeah, uh, I think, the, and like, and, and weddings are for the parents, really. I mean, right. Because, you know, I would never want to fucking have to have a huge wedding where I right. have to, you know, walk down an aisle and stuff like that and say these kind of vows and, you know, all this bullshit. You yeah, know. Well, particularly like the people that go into huge amount of debt. Right. Or yeah. have their parents expend go a into huge, huge amount, amount of, of debt. Of yeah. money to, to yeah. have, you know, like a $50,000, $100,000 wedding. That's not unusual these days. No. That it, just is appalling to me. And, and at the same time, there are people who, like, compete. With their weddings. Oh, oh I'm yeah. getting this. I'm getting sure. this. Well, you know, how, all that. How stupid, man. How foolish. Huh. You, know? you know? like, I was d- 
telling, uh, like we were watching some show or so, somehow something was coming up about the expense of a wedding, and I was pointing out to Dan, my son, that uh, you know. Uh, his mother and I got married for a thousand dollars, and it was like a sit-down dinner for fifty people. <laughs> Just wasn't very expensive, right? It was yeah, very. You know, I think we, our, our parents wound up. We, you know, we budgeted the whole thing to pay for it ourselves, and in the end, I think our parents got together and said, "Well, why don't you let us split it?" Right. And, and we're going to invite a few more people that we feel like we want to invite. Right. So you know, they each wound up paying like you know. $600 a so, piece or something. So McDonald's was able to accommodate? Yeah, 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 yeah. They, yeah, they had the extra extra Big Macs in the back, you know. They brought some ripple Because yeah, my occupancy, you know, they had people in the drive-thru eating yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but no extra, no supersizing. No supersizing, no extra cheese. No, 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 no. Uh, you know, it's 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 uh, it's it's held it's held tough. Uh, you know, the whole the, all this time, it didn't didn't uh, didn't impede our our uh, ability to stay married one well, bit. We just did the whole. We had a justice of the peace just come to my in laws' house, right? See, because yeah. my family was all in California. That's the way weddings used to be, man. Yeah, and you know, um, small affairs. And it was maybe thirty, forty people, and um, one of my brother in laws. Who's a who's a, a chef? He just made some, you know. He came, he you know just had the he, some finger sandwiches, and yeah, some fours. He, he had some stuff, and we had the cake and all that. And yeah, you man. know, it was an, it was two hours and it was done. Yeah, no, you that's know? great. That's yeah. ideal. Yeah, you know. So, um, you know, I was uh, my daughter had her seventeenth birthday. Damn, I know. Eva seventeen. Eva seventeen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So uh, this was yesterday. She turned seventeen. So Friday night we we're having dinner, and uh, we were. It was kind of her. That was the her dinner where where my wife made the food she likes. You know, right? Just, yeah. just for our family. And uh-huh. So you know, we had chicken piccata, and and we we're celebrating Eva's birthday. And I was saying, oh man, yeah, where'd the time go? I was saying, yeah, I remember my seventeenth birthday. <laughs> I said I moved out of my parents' house that day. <laughs> <laughs> my kids were like, "What?" <laughs> my yeah. wife's looking across the table, like making the cut it yeah, offside. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. In Nixe, like, in the Inse, you know, like, pig uh, Latin. Too. What do you mean you moved out of your parents' house? I said, "Yeah, man, I'd had it planned for years." <laughs> 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 he said, "Where'd you go?" I said, "Into an apartment I'd rented." <laughs> Who would give you an apartment at seventeen? I said I ultimately had people, to, people, people <laughs> yeah. that wanted the money that yeah. I was paying them. Yeah, I said I ultimately had to move back in, but it it, it was uh, it was a valuable move. It definitely changed the paradigm in my in my home. It, I went from someone who was subject to the rules and regulation of the house to someone who all I had to do was sleep there right everything else now did your parents like give you like their old furniture or dishes when you moved out what when i moved into the apartment yeah when you were 17 you no know. they didn't know anything about it oh. the first they knew about it is i'd moved all my shit out <laughs> and they were freaking out going where do you where are you going i said ah, oh, you know i'm uh, i said I'm, I'm moving out i I said, I'll, I'll be in touch. And my mother's standing in the driveway going, don't do this, don't do this. Oh, I'm my like, God. I'm like, I'm not doing anything to you. I just, this is something for me. I can, right. You know, you know, and I'm, your dad's, let him go, Ma, let him go. No, 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 no. <laughs> my father's so diabolical. He, he finally gets in touch with me later on that day, and he goes, okay, well, 
uh, it's all very clever and everything that you've, you've done this. He goes, but uh, you know all that musical equipment that you have? Um, you know, you can stay, but you have to bring all that back. And I said, what do you mean? I said, well, that's the whole point of, you know, I'm going to play music. He's like, well, we have the receipts on all that stuff. Uh. And if you don't bring it all back or bring it and yourself back, then I'm going to call the police and I'm going to report all this stuff stolen. Oh, diabolical for sure. Yeah, he's, he's can be can be scary, you know, when he, well, when he wants to be. I don't know if I told you, uh, we said that I said this on the show before, but when, when, when I turned 18, my dad said, you can now, you're legal, you know, 18 in California. Right. You can now go and pay someone else rent or start paying me rent. Yeah. That was what my dad said to me. Right. Now, I, think I, I don't know if I said this, but um, his rent was way, way cheaper. Sure. It was way cheaper than going and getting a little studio or one bedroom somewhere in West L.A. or in Hollywood. I still, with him, I'd pay him his rent, but I still had to do all the chores that I did before I had to pay rent. Uh-huh. I still had to take the trash out. I still had to mow the backyard and mow the front yard. I still had to do all these other little stupid little chores. Right. So... His rent was so much cheaper, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll pay you rent. And after about two months of paying his rent, I was like, no, I, I, you know, fuck this. It's not worth the bargain. It's, it's not worth the bargain. It really isn't. <laughs> it's not worth the bargain at all. I was like, I'll find my own apartment. You can start mowing the lot, old man. You know, <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you can take the trash out, old man. Right on. You know, and uh, so that was it. I never moved back. Well, there you go. You know, you know I was... He was giving you options, right? But you, but, know. you know, he was diabolical in his own way too. Because the whole time I was living at home as a as a young man, and, you know, a teenager and a, a tween or whatever you want to call it, right? You know, we had this big backyard, and all we had was a push mower, <laughs> a push mower. <laughs> And then, you know... Now, a, a mower that was not self-propelled, or you mean a motor, a, a, a lawnmower that didn't have a motor at all? No motor at all. Oh, just one, one of those, of those old, kind. you know, one push those, mowers. heart attack mowers. Yeah, you yeah. know, exactly. <laughs> so, fast forward now, like, you know, six months down the road, and I come home to have my mom says, where have you been? Why don't you come over, have some dinner, you know? Meal. Yeah, meal, you know, that kind of stuff. I said, okay, mom, you know, make my favorite meal, you know, whatever, uh-huh. you know, and that was usually um, beer. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, but, salted uh, peanuts. Salted peanuts and beer and the game. Uh-huh. You know? um, so I come home, on, I come back to have dinner with my folks on a Sunday afternoon, and I, I hear this, I go, what the hell is that? And my mom goes, oh, that's your dad in the backyard. He's got this huge fucking gasoline power mower. Right that, you know, He's just zooming by. I go, why don't you buy this for me when I was doing all this, when I was having to fucking mow the lawn? <laughs> you know, it's like, like you needed the exercise. Yeah, on. You know, I would have probably stayed, paid more rent for you, you know, that kind of stuff. Right, right. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, good times. <laughs> good times. <laughs> good times. So we were talking earlier in the car. About um, I don't know if you want to do it now, but um, sure, why not? What um, how we right met? Right. Well, because I was saying, you know, I, I, we, we now are at the point where I'm starting to, to post uh, some of our podcasts that we've recorded right. already, yeah. and and it feels like uh, well, we should give some background because we're kind of jumping in to, to the middle of our you know give our background and how we know each other and right. who we are, just who who we are as people. <laughs> well, we're troubled. We know that. Well, yes, that that goes without saying. We're very troubled. Um, but so, for instance, Manny, you. 
came to New Orleans from Los Angeles. You're right. a Los Angeles native. Yeah. You were a, an actor and well, comedian in Los Angeles. I did, I did a type of musical rock theater kind of thing, and I, I worked in the studio system, or well, at studios. I worked there for a long time, and then uh, I quit because I wanted to get back in front of the camera kind of thing. Okay. Because that was my first... It's just like everyone in L.A., everyone who comes to L.A., their, their first aspiration is to be a movie star, be a, you know, sing, whatever. Right. But... I realized, and, and this was something my dad taught me, because my dad was an opera singer. He sang mm-hmm. opera uh, back in the 40s and 50s. Cool. And then he came out west, and he did radio shows and stuff like oh, that. Oh, okay. Um, and he said, he, he, he constantly said, don't go into the business. Do not go into the business. Yeah. He was constantly, just get yourself a steady job. You right. Know, do, I don't care if it's just fucking, you know, bagging groceries for the rest of your life, or, you know, right. or just, you know, driving a cab. He goes, Get out, don't do show business. And of course, I did the total opposite. You know, I did the exact total right. opposite. And, what, and for, fortunately for me, I went to a high school that had a lot of uh, Hollywood kids whose parents were actors or uh-huh. in the business, producers, directors, and all that. And I was able to get into the business, get my foot through the door, as they say, with these friends' connections. Uh-huh. Because my friends were rich, spoiled brats whose parents were, you know, Hollywood, you know, people. And they would never, you know, no, fuck you, fuck you, parents. And, of course, they all went into the business after 20 years of, you know, make, upsetting their parents and stuff yeah. like that, you know. They always had something to fall back on. And I think they knew about it. They, they said I could fuck off for 20 years after high school, uh-huh. you know, because they knew they could always fall back on their parents. Fall back on, on show business? Yeah, exactly. Or because, just fall back on their, their parents' Well, teeth. both probably. Uh-huh. Probably both. So they gave me, an, I think it was um, Buddy Mora. Buddy Mora, who is... Woody Allen's agent. Oh, okay. And he uh, handles people like Billy Crystal and stuff like that. Right. And he's produced tons of... I think he's produced a lot of Woody Allen stuff. I know that name. And also a lot of Rob Reiner films. Oh, okay. Uh, Buddy Moore's son, Adam, was a guy I went to high school with. And Adam was the fucking funniest kid I ever met in my life, you know. Um, But anyway, his dad got me a gig on some little upstart cable show because cable was happening. Right. In the 80s. And, you know, fast forward, you know, I went from being a, a PA, a runner, you know, getting people's laundry and all that to, like, you know, um, producing location segments for these shows and stuff and being a location scout, location manager, producing rock videos and all this kind of stuff. And then, cool. and then around 19... This was for 10 years of that, and around 1990, 91, um, it was like, fuck, I was only like 28 years old. Uh-huh. And I, you felt burned out? You I was felt like an old man? Yeah, I felt... Because, you know, you work a lot. <laughs> sure, you work constantly. Constantly. And I was just like, I can't do this. Yeah. Because also what happens is typical Hollywood, you know, it's occupational hazard. You start developing little, you know, coffee addictions, coke addictions. Right. You know... Uh, Everybody else is. Yeah, Why yeah. It feels like the thing to do. Right. Yeah, it's, and uh, It's an easy thing to fall into. So I fell into it. I So I just quit. And I had a nest egg. I had a huge nest egg. Yeah. And I was young enough, I said, well, I want to try going in front of the camera. So I got me an agent, did the photos and all that kind of stuff. And I tried doing a little stand-up, and I just didn't, I I don't think I was prepared enough for that that time to do all that stuff. Uh Um, But I went on auditions and stuff, and I got little bit parts here and there and stuff. And then I... I uh, I started using my nest egg more and more for my addiction. Yeah, (laughs) I started doing other things and Uh stuff. 
And um, I, then I did musical comedy and a punk rock show, you know, uh, Rat Pack meets Black Flag kind of show right. and stuff. And with a partner of mine, uh, a good friend of mine at the time, and uh, it kind of took off. And then, it, and then everyone in the band got addicted to tar heroin. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and we were actually, we were like on MTV, you know, we were actually moving and moving. It was like we were moving up the ladder as a right, band. Right, And it just that, all fizzled out. put up. the brakes on. Yeah, it just yeah, all yeah, fizzled yeah. out, you it's know. It's tough, it's tough to, 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 to have two uh, masters, serve two masters. Right, exactly. And, um, and I, you know, I was with the, me and my friend who fronted the band. We told jokes, we sang songs, we danced, you know, with showgirls and stuff like that. And then we had a band, these guys, seasoned musicians who knew that lifestyle and right. knew how to, you know, pace themselves, yeah, <laughs> you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. Even though they all fizzled out in some way, but they're all back on their game apparently yeah. now. Anyway, so fast forward, I, you know, 10 years of that, and um, I came to New Orleans. And I think I met you through our friend Carlo, didn't I? No, you didn't. I think I think we just uh, I think I met you through Marion initially. Who? No. <laughs> oh, my wife. Yeah, Your my wife. My wife Marion. Um, and like maybe we just met in passing, and then then we met again at at the store. At, at when you were working at the store. Oh yeah, yes. I was. I got a job as a produce guy at the. No, la- no. You were working at at, uh, at the drugstore. Oh yes, yes. I thought when I, you were at the drugstore, right? Yeah. And I was like checking out, and you were there, and you said, "Hey, you know, I met you before. I'm right. Manny Chevrolet." Right. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. And then that's when you pitched me your the movie. Right. So yes. now we're getting to how many okay. I know each other. Okay, now okay, so, your memory's way better than mine. That's right. You were looking, I think, cuz Daniel was just an infant. I think you were looking for some kind of baby stuff or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I don't that. know. It's just just yeah. picking something up for it was yeah. from my neighborhood grocery store. I mean, my right. neighborhood drugstore yeah. and, and you were working there and you said, "Hey, you know, I'm 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 Manny we met before. I'm working on this movie and um, you know, it's kind of a guerrilla project. We're I'm, right, you know, I'm, right. I have this idea where I'm, I'm, I'm running for mayor is the idea of the movie. Right, and uh, so I have all these different actors I'm using, and we're all kind of writing our own parts and figuring right. this out as we right. go. And he said, you know, you seem like you could be a cool guy. Like you might want to be in the movie. And I, I thought that sounds intriguing. Right. So then, okay, now I then I did that, yeah. kind of think up like a a character that I could play for your mm. movie, and then. You know, I wrote some a, a scene with you for myself for right. you and I to be in, and it worked so well that you and right. I then, like the next week, you're like, "Well, uh, you know, I have this scene with so and so, this other actor that's coming in. He's playing this character. You want to come help me write write some right. lines?" Right. So then you and I started getting together. And, damn, and writing writing dialogue and just basically writing the movie as we went. Right. You know, hanging out at these bars, basically what we're doing now, except instead of talking into microphones, we were writing stuff writing down. stuff in yeah. our notebooks. Right. And having cocktails. Right, because that spawned because um Marion, my wife, my then girlfriend at the time, a girl I was dating, she worked down by Lee Circle and I used to meet her at the Circle Bar. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd get there early and have, start having some drinks and stuff, and I got to know everyone there, like Kelly and all the and Lefty right. and all those people. And I kept, I would always read the paper, and I'd say, God, you know, I know the history of Louisiana politics and all that, and 
I, I said, boy, I should run for something. Uh-huh. And I think, I think it was, I don't know, Lefty or Dave or somebody said, you should. Yeah. <laughs> so I started thinking about it more and more. And then I thought the idea, well, God, let's run for mayor because the election was coming up in like yeah, six, yeah. seven months or like that. And we'll document the whole thing. We'll get tons of free footage as guerrilla filmmakers. Right, right. We'll just, you know, we'll pull an Ed Wood, you know, we'll steal, yes. steal scenes, yeah, so that, so, steal locations and so stuff So you like. were doing a fictitious movie about a guy running for mayor, but, right. then, but then as that idea germinated for a minute, then it suddenly morphed into you're really running for mayor. Right. And we're, we're just uh, folding all of that actual footage and the actual storyline right. into, into the, the storyline that we were writing. Right, exactly. And, and, and then remember, remember we had that, um, what's his name, Keith O'Brien, who was a reporter for the Picayune at the time? Yeah, yeah. So he, the newspaper starts covering your campaign. Right, right. Because you would get into these these uh, mayoral forums. Right. And we, we wrote up a platform that was like comical, right. but also and, substantive. And that's when the slogan came, Troubled Man for Troubled Times. Right, right. Right. So he got assigned to follow me. And the poor guy, we let him on so much. <laughs> we let him on so much. He actually thought, you know, they're not making a movie. Well, we have these cameras. Just follow me around. We're just yeah. making a, we're just making doc- a document. Yeah, here. we're making a doc. You know, he and poor guy. And you know what, though? He ended up writing this big story. Remember I made the front page sure, or, yeah, in yeah. the entertainment section or whatever? Right, or the, right. Lifestyle. Or the, yeah, the lifestyle yeah. section. And he won a regional Pulitzer Prize. You were telling me that. Yeah. He won that, yeah. And now I, have, he's, I think he's living up in Ohio or Boston now. He's making working. a big time. No, he married a doctor. Okay, well, that's making the big <laughs> time. And uh, I think he's doing stories for NPR. He, does, he sells well, stories. Well, you know. Yeah, so he's doing that. That's pretty respectable. Yeah career there so that's yeah but i remember also one of the first times i think it was new year's eve at the circle bar and i think the first time we realized that we had a lot more in common is when we were one we were up in one of the apartments and and glenn was playing that night i think it was a new year's eve show or something or a christmas show and we were Don't say anything. I'm going to have to cut out. <laughs> well, <laughs> I just remember. Just leave it. We had a lot more in common than, yeah, than you realized. Yeah, we had a lot more in common. I'll leave it at that. <coughs> yeah, and um, and it was good times. It was good times. It's good. It's been good times ever since. Yeah, man. Well, you know, yeah. it's uh, two peas in a pod. You know, <laughs> I, I myself, Renee Coleman, am am, uh, am a native of New Orleans. Uh, yeah, grew up here. Uh, playing music as a kid. Yeah, well, that's how I got it. My father was a musician. I was like the band boy from the time I was nine years old, eight or nine years old, moving equipment, also playing and studying music at that time and studying with guys in his band and and then never really... Well, I mean, at that time, really the way I got... uh, hired into a band is I would move the equipment and then I'd sit in on one or two tunes during, right. a, during a gig and one time he, he had this trumpet player that he would occasionally hire if he needed like a second horn player you know he usually played as a quartet sometimes on bigger jobs he'd hire like a, another or a couple of horn players just to take some of the load off you know in a big room and uh the guy heard me play these couple of tunes and, and then he, he uh, called me up the next day or something and said, hey, look, 
uh, my bass player is dying of cancer, and he's not going to last too much longer. Right. And so I need to find somebody else. Would you want to come and be my bass player? Excellent. And, I mean, I'd never played in a band and hardly knew any tunes, but I was super into the idea and you know it, it forced me to learn a bunch of tunes real fast right and, you know develop my ability to sight read and all that stuff and and i started playing two or three nights a week with this guy when i was like 13 years old did that my whole life uh you know i went to music school uh you know, ran into Alex Chilton when he, you know, from the box tops and Big Star when he moved here. Fell in with him. Uh, it was a good excuse to leave music school, which I couldn't wait to do anyhow. Right. Uh, you know, I was kind of plucked out of a uh, plucked into obscurity. <laughs> but uh, but no, then you know, went on the road and s- played in a whole series of recording bands. Right. Uh, you know, he he was from Memphis. Um, you know, went and did a lot of recording in Memphis with, you know, Jim Dickinson, other bands that, that were kind of in that Jim Dickinson orbit, you know, Tav Falco's Panther Burns. That was the original band that Alex hired me for. And then Alex and I made a bunch of records under his name, you know, Alex Chilton Records. And, uh, you know, basically, you know, went from group to group and, you know, played a couple of years, a couple of three years and a whole series of bands played all over the U.S., all over Europe. And then back in New Orleans, uh, you know, ran into these guys, the Iguanas, started playing with them, wound up spending, you know, the next 20-something years playing with those guys. And it was during that time when I was playing with the Iguanas when you moved to town and, uh, you know, we crossed paths through our wives used to work together. Yes, And uh, we got introduced and, you know, immediately figured out that we had this rapport and on many levels yeah and, uh, many levels. <laughs> so so yeah so we wrote this whole movie and and filmed it and and uh released it it was uh giving it to the people yes that's the name of it and um yeah it was fun that was a fun project i don't think i think because i had made some short films with uh other people back in los angeles that were very successful um this was like the first time trying to do like a, a full a feature yeah, yeah and uh I don't know. Um, I'd have to, you know. I went back a few years ago and looked at it, and it's probably about thirty minutes too long, right? Um, and of course, really, there was only like one or two trained actors in the movie, right? You know, so there's a lot of stuff where it's like, okay, they're not very good, you yeah. Know? <laughs> but at the time, they were good, and they filled the purpose. Um, like, but you know, but that's that's just the way it goes. Um, should, you well, know. it was such a fun experience to do, you know. It's, it, it almost didn't matter if we had well, film in the camera or well, not. Well, yeah, well, know? that's the thing. And also, the, the ensemble that we gathered um, it's quite had, a motley so, crew. Yeah, had so much fun, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and it brought, like, for me, because I didn't know that many people yeah. here, I got to meet so many characters and stuff. You became famous in New Orleans overnight, right. not only from... You know, making the movie, but running for mayor, right. being a funny guy, running right. for mayor. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. To, like, I can, I can go to any of my relatives and mention your name. There's always a, a, a glint of recognition. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Manny Chevrolet. <laughs> yeah. How's he doing? Yeah. Is, is he out of jail? Or? <laughs> uh, still out of jail. Still, still, st- still staying out still of jail. Still troubled after all still these troubled years. Still troubled after all these years. Exactly. Trouble never ends. The struggle continues. I know. We should get another cocktail before they close. Okay. 
so that's how uh, that's how it all happened. It's how uh, nation. It's how the troubled men got together. But also at the same time, I mean, it, there's been periods of time where I haven't seen you in like months or like long periods of time where I haven't seen you. Sure, sure. Because well, you're raising a family and, and I'm raising a family. You know, you're a busy man. And, I'm a busy man. And you know, I have like three women to support. Right. You know, I, I right. have this crack whore on airline that right. I'm still supporting. I hear you, man. And anyway, but you know what I wanted to talk about? I've been wanting to talk about this for a, a while. It's things I've seen on TV that it just kind of crack news television. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So number one, I was watching, because I like to watch the news, especially the local news. There was this guy, apparently somewhere in the city, who attacked these people working at some market that he attacked them with a machete and I just love the way reporters and producers like set up the scene you know they set up because they're not there when it actually happens of Uh course there's probably you know security footage that they'll show later of the guy you know swinging his machete and stuff like that but so there are they're actually live at the location we're live here at you know Johnson and Johnson market right and And the reporter starts talking about the machete incident and stuff. But, of course, this guy apparently swung a machete and, like, you know, hit, like, three or four people, you know, in the arm or in the back or whatever. And, of course, they show a shot of, like, the dairy section. (laughs) You know, it's just, like, has nothing to do with the story. (laughs) But it has to, you know, they have to do some kind of, they have to film something. Sure. You know, so it's like this guy swinging a machete, but they're showing a picture, like, of cheese and milk and sour cream <laughs> and stuff like that. So I just thought... So they're establishing shot. Yeah, they're establishing shot, but they stick we, we on say it. grocery. We just want to show you a picture of a grocery. Right. You don't know yeah. what we're talking about. Exactly. And then... They show you a picture of a machete, too, <laughs> like, like well, in then a catalog. They, cut, they, cut, they go, this, this, this footage might be, you know, offensive. Just, you know, you might want to turn away. It might be disturbing. And, yeah, disturbing. For younger viewers. For younger, and then they show the actual black and white security film with this guy swinging... And they don't show enough. Of course, they stop it, you know, with the stuff you want to see. Right. You know, so it's, it's like, not disturbing enough. It's not disturbing enough. You were disturbed that and, they cut you off. Right. And then they cut back to the reporter who's like now walking in front of produce, you know, and going, <laughs> it was here live. We're here live, you know, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, that's one of the things. And then there was another thing I was watching. Me and my wife were watching, and we could not stop laughing. So there's, a, there's like... A string of robberies in a neighborhood here in New Orleans. Jesus, nothing but yeah, a string of yeah, robberies a string of, and a string of neighborhoods here. And Holy moly. So the reporter's live at the scene, and then they, there's like a witness. You know, there's a witness who doesn't want to be seen. Sure. Who doesn't want to be seen. Because they're smart. So they're smart. Because they're smart. <laughs> so what do they do? They don't show her face. They show her crotch and her belly fat. (laughs) I swear to God, me and my wife could not stop laughing. It was like, this is what you're showing? I mean, I I could recognize that anywhere in a lineup. (laughs) But they showed this big, fat, white trash belly. Uh And and of course, she's wearing some stretch pants. Her shorts that are way too small for her, and you know does not want to be seen on camera. But they show her fucking fat belly and crotch. Yeah, she doesn't want that to be seen either. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, I don't think she's doing any um, sit-ups or anything after that. Anyway, I don't think that's going to happen. Girls, that's why you got to wear some loose, loose fitting clothing. Just just a little word word to the wise here. uh, You know. Yeah, I just had to get that off my chest because I just thought it was hilarious, just hilarious, and how. 
Oh, I mean, who decides this? There's somebody, like a producer at, this, at the newsroom saying, all right, well, she doesn't want to be seen on camera. Let's show a shot of her fucking crotch. <laughs> well, I mean, right, Chief, right. Well, I mean, initially, like a cameraman's making that decision out there, right? He's just shooting film. And right. And then, then somebody's got to cut it together at the, right. at the end. And they're like, right. Why do you have a shot of her crotch? They're like, well, she didn't want me to shoot her face. They're like, well, she's like shoot her feet or something. They're like, well, okay, I'll do that next time. They're like, all right, just run it, run it with the crotch shot. Just run it with the crotch shot. Okay, <laughs> you know, it's like okay, uh, all right, okay. You know, but the, at the same time, it's like anytime there's robberies or these murders, why even go on camera to begin with? Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you why. It's because. And look, this this really aggravates the hell out of me. Is you know, someone's just lost a, a loved one, a baby, a, a child, yeah, or yeah. or, a, or a, a sibling, or something, and then you know they're they're obviously distraught, and they shove a camera in their face, and the person comes on and starts talking. Right? They're, they're now everything about everything, every fiber of their being tells them that they Should they don't do- want to be doing this. Right? But they're Americans. It's the 21st century, and they cannot resist the idea of being on TV. It's like that's yeah, well, this is my this is my chance to be on TV. Uh, and they're know. very stupid, most of them too. You know, it's well, like, they're they're in no position to be making these decisions. Well, it's anyhow. like these these shows that you like to watch. My wife, you know, these like shows, these 24 hour crime shows. Right, you know, they like the first 48, the first 48, yeah, and stuff like one. that. You know, it's just to me, it's just like. Okay, and they have like there's like footage of them in the interrogation room, and they're interrogating the prime suspect. Oh yeah, that's the and, best part. Yeah, and it's just like I'm sitting there watching these shows and going, "Why are you even fucking talking? Don't talk. Don't talk. Don't, don't talk, people. Lawyer up. Yep. Don't talk. Get a public defender. I don't care. Don't fucking talk. Nope. And then when when you're when <laughs> when you're watching one of those shows and somebody <laughs> is smart enough to go. No, I'm, as soon as they realize they're being like they're being accused yeah. of a crime, they go, "No, I'm done. I'm yeah. done. Take me away. Go ahead, yeah. do what you're going to do. You're going to yeah. charge me. Charge me. Yeah. No, I don't, I'm not talking." Then the cops are like, "Oh, damn it! He he lawyered up. You know, they're all right. disappointed. It's like, well, do your job, man. You know, it's <laughs> like it's not up to the criminal to do your job for you. Right? Exactly. You know, how, do, how do you even know he's a criminal? If you get him to confess, then he's a criminal. But you know, I mean, look, there's also you can go on Netflix and see hold shows about people that that confess to crimes that they didn't commit right and because so please don't go talk to those people if you if, <laughs> don't talk, if, just they're, shut if, up. if they're you know if you're a witness that's fine um if if you're a suspect do not talk yeah don't talk don't say a word just lawyer fucking up man they'll i mean if they if you're guilty they're gonna find out sooner or later you know, they'll figure it out well, most of the time. Well, you know. certainly if you tell them, they're right. going to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. If, if you, you know, any any self-incriminating statements are considered to be true because who would make them right. otherwise? So they're assumed to be true, even if they're not. Right. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I have a little tick in my throat oh, right okay. now. I'm coughing. I'm oh, coughing. That's okay. Got a little, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, you know, I have a have a couple of things uh, happen. You know, I, I play at the Circle Bar every Wednesday. So yeah, you've been uh, doing that a while, man. Been doing it for a couple of years. It's uh, man. Last night, uh, last Wednesday was one of the biggest ever. It was you know, really well because it was well, right it was before French, French Quarter, Quarter yeah, Fest. People look. know about the gig now. Um, it was like packed. You know, I don't know as many people as you could put in the Circle Bar, which is not huge, but 
yeah. as many people as you could put in there at seven o'clock were right. there. And, and so then after us, you know, often we'll play that seven to 10 slot and then there'll be like four bands that come on after us. Yeah. Which is a lot. Four bands. Yeah. From 10 to at, at, two o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this night they had six bands. Six punk rock f- bands. Yeah. So I'm always intrigued, you know, especially you see the crowd coming in. It's like, oh, some young people. Okay, well, it's like, I just, I just want to smell you guys. <laughs> right. Look at the what skin are the tones. kids listening to? Yeah. Well, so, so, uh, and these guys were very nice and were, you know, listening to us and going, oh, you guys sound terrific, man. Or, you know, they're, they're very pleasant. So, you know, we, we, uh, packed up and hung around and heard them. So, they were great. It was six. Well, I stayed for four of them. You know, punk rock shows? Yeah, f- four. The <clears throat> first four of the six punk rock bands, and they were great. Every one of them was terrific, man. They played, a, each one of them played a tight 20 minute set wow. and stopped. Like I was <laughs> outside hanging around chatting, and I'm like, God, these guys sound good, man. I'm going to go and uh, listen to these guys. And you go in, and play, you'd hear one song. You'd go, All right, thank you. That's, that's it. We'll see you all later. You go, God damn, that's really disciplined, man. And, yeah. and they used all the same equipment. Did they get, a, did they get people watching them? Did they, did they have crowds? Oh, yeah, no, they had, a, they had all these young people. So I'm looking around, I'm like, God damn, the young people look good, you know? It's like, I'd fuck almost everybody in this room, you know, <laughs> just, just from the sheer youth of it, you know? <laughs> you know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so so while, I'm, while I'm, I'm watching that, you know, I'm watching the, the regular stage area and, and it's coming back to mind the story of when my, one of my best friends, Glenn Styler, mm-hmm. was in his heyday and he was playing there all the time. You know, of course, Kelly Keller was still alive. Yeah. She was managing him, you know, running the bar. She was the owner. And, and, uh, and my son was an infant. And this is so it was just my wife and, and I, my son. And we would go out to gigs with him cause when he was an infant because you put him in like the little carrier and he right. sleeps, you know. Yeah. And, you know, you put him in a sling and he's sleeping the whole time. And it was like, oh, look, we can go out, especially when they're really young, you know, when they're under one year old. Right, you can do a lot. So yeah. we were at the Circle Bar. Brent's doing a gig. It's like him and a guitar player. And they have the PA speakers sitting on the mantle just like sitting on the the fireplace mantle which is right behind where the band plays it's right. kind of this little stage area and uh, uh we were up in the front at that time they had a whole bunch of tables in that room and they had like yeah, a they kind had, of yeah. big like a six person band table and that huge clock remember the ceiling clock the ceiling right right a big k and b clock that had come off the k and b building that's old uh old uh, drugstore that's a chain that lasted for, I don't know, 60 years in New Orleans and then finally folded. They, Circle Bar scavenged the clock off the building. <clears throat> but uh, so we're sitting at that table having some drinks and Daniel, my son, is an infant. He must be like three months, four months old. He's in a little car carrier sitting in a seat. On the uh, on a chair at that table next to the where the band's playing, and we're all Tan and I are sitting there, some other people, maybe Kelly, and and watching the band, and Daniel sleeping, our infant son, and they start doing a song that starts off real quiet, and then all of a sudden Brent gets real loud, he starts singing real loud, and it it the the 
the dynamic change like startled my son. He like wakes up out of a dead sleep and starts crying. You know, he's a baby, starts crying. <laughs> and we pick him up and carry him into the, the bar area yeah. so he won't disturb everybody. Yeah. Okay, so about two-thirds of the way through that song, that PA speaker that was sitting on the mantle on, oh my on God, our side of the yeah. mantle rattles off falls directly into that that uh car carrier oh, oh my god it would have crushed him like like an egg <laughs> there would have been no recovery oh my god i don't i don't oh, ton and i looked at each other with uh, a sense of horror like oh my god what terrible parents <laughs> We almost were. <laughs> your fault. <laughs> your fault. No, it's your fault. You know, I thought. I thought. You know, uh, boy, but that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I thought. You know, Brent and I are best friends. I'm not sure if our if our friendship could have survived <laughs> like, if, if if Daniel had been in that crib and gotten uh, crushed and by gotten that crushed yeah. by that speaker. God, not I never that it would have yeah. been his fault. Right, yeah. But, you know, it just would have been too much trauma associated with our our relationship oh, to possibly get beyond. <laughs> it would have changed the course of my life. I would I would be, you know, as troubled as I am now, I would oh, be yeah. I would you, be yeah. factorially more troubled. Yeah, you both of you, both you and Tom. Jesus yeah. Christ. No kidding. Yeah. We might not have survived that. Man. Right. Exactly. A lot of couples don't, man. Yeah, they don't. that's that's and Daniel's a very lucky boy. He's a lucky boy. Yeah. Well, you know, as as Napoleon said, don't give me generals who are clever. Give me generals who are lucky. Right. So <laughs> luck is one of those things that some people possess, and Daniel definitely does. And, and you know, they say you make your own luck, and right. Daniel does. You know, even at that age of four months, when you think about it, he saved his own life. Right, because... I didn't start crying right? and think, I have to get him out of here. He's the one that woke well, up in terror. Well, maybe he just heard Glenn sing. It was like, oh, I got to get out no, of here. No, he was, he was... The dulcet tones were, were, were soothing him up to that point. It was just that big dynamic change that... that and maybe, what song was it? Do you remember? I don't even... Can't even remember. It was something that starts off quiet and then, right. you know, has some shocking, you know... That was Typical kind of, Brent, that yeah. Was, that was, uh, you know, we, we say Brent and Glenn in, in, in his real name is... is yeah. Brent, but his stage name was Glenn Styler. But yeah, so that was his stock and trade was the the shocking dynamic turn, or just the sh- shock in general. That was his. That was part of his uh, currency. Um, so you know, so Daniel continues to be extremely lucky at uh, you know six to nineteen years old. He's uh, continues to make his own luck, but. Man, that was I was thinking about that last last week watching that thing and thinking, Wow, man, I really we really dodged a bullet there. Yeah. Yeah. See, and, and again, you and I have known each other for years. You've never heard the story. Right. Yeah. It's I don't, the cool I, thing about you know, yeah. having a lot of experiences in life. I, uh, I've been with my band for over 20 years, and I'll still think of something that, and I've told them everything because we we've ridden in the vans forever and right. sat in, in airplane you know, uh, concourses and, you know, and sound checks forever. I've told them everything, but I still have a few that I... Right, they hold them back. <laughs> I'm keeping yeah. holstered. Well, I've, you know, speaking of my child, I've been trying to kill her forever, but she just won't go. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. <laughs> I have to... I have to loosen some speakers in our house, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. 
you know. But getting back to TV watching, oh yes, um, real quickly, there was something I wanted to add. You know, we we try to watch as a family one movie every once a week together. Porn, <laughs> yeah, porn. Uh-huh. Um, the stuff I've done, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Your own movies, your you know, own porn movies, sure. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because my daughter's now into watching movies that I've seen before, you know, like old, like Star Wars or, you know, she wanted to see the, uh, all these John Hughes films now, like Breakfast oh, okay. Club. Well, that's pretty cool. She pretty, even knows about them. Yeah, it's, she knows about them know, and all that yeah. stuff. So, I, you know, I'll, I'll rent. Yeah, Casablanca. I'll rent, uh, you know, I, like, for instance, I saw. African wa- Queen. African Queen, you know, Bridge <laughs> on the River Kwai, right. <laughs> you know, the um, Giant, and Giant, you know, One sure, Flew Over sure. the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, yeah, those are all classics. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, Patton. She loves Patton. That's a great movie, man. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, we're watching The Breakfast Club, and I've seen this movie, you know, and I got a copy for her. Oh, know. okay. And I said, um, and she does this now with a lot of movies that I've seen already. Like, I'll say, I'm going to go use the bathroom. You know, she goes, do you want me to stop the movie? And I said, no, I've seen this before. Yeah, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> no, no, you don't know. It's... She goes, I've seen this before. And, you know, and my wife hasn't seen it. My wife is not a movie. She's never been a movie goer. So huh. she's catching up on all this stuff. I think her parents never allowed her to go see movies. Wow. As a kid, they just, I don't know, something weird about that. But anyway, I said, I have to go use the toilet. And they both say, do you want us to stop the movie? I said, no, I've seen this before. And they'll say, well, you've seen this before. What's this movie called? And I'll say, I'll say Death Wish. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's not. It's pre- no, it's Death Wish. <laughs> I've seen Death Wish before. <laughs> okay. But this is not... No, it's Death Wish. Okay. <laughs> so that's just something I wanted to add to movie, oh, no, TV good. viewing. Like like you know. Um, oh, another thing that happened to me. I think I talked about this at like one of our first podcasts where I caught someone putting their dog shit in my you know, garbage, can. garbage can. I caught another person doing this just recently, you know, because I'm in the middle of this huge construction project right, I'm doing right. in my house. So I got the cans in front of the house and... Uh, and the portalette. And the portalette in, port- in front of my house, you know, um, and, I, and I have the... It's a, it was a kind of a... It was a nice day, so I had the door open and the shutters closed and I hear... You know, there's no workers. They're gone. I hear my trash can get lifted up, and there's this woman walking her dog. She's got some hound. She's putting her shit in my garbage can. And I look, I can't, don't do this. Don't yeah. do it. This happened it again. You. It bothers me big See, it time. It doesn't bother me. No, but it does. But the thing is, the garbage guys, if it's garbage night, and if it's not completely full, they're not going to put it on the hoist. They don't empty it all the way. Yeah. If it's just a couple bags, they'll open the lid and take two of your garbage bags oh, and just throw it in there. And that little piece of dog shit yeah, yeah. is still in the bottom yeah, of your can. Yeah, yeah, okay. Fermenting right, for another right, week. Right, right, right. For another week. Yeah, that's no good. That's no good. So, but, so I said, hey, what are you doing? I go, I appreciate it if you don't put your fucking dog shit in my garbage can. You know what this woman says to me? She goes, well, you don't have to be so rude about it. Like, oh, man, I love when people go back to that thing. It's like they don't like your tone for <laughs> in the way that you complain to them about the, the transgression that they're committing. Right. And I said, rude, 
you haven't fucking seen Rouge yet. Get the fuck. I, I said, and I said, I said, get the fuck out of my face before I give you a beating. I said that. It was like an old line. It was like an old Goodfellas line. That's assault, brother. <laughs> you know? And she immediately crosses the street. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a threat. Yeah. And, and, you know, and she had a big, she had some kind of like, she was like walking some kind of pit bull type dog or yeah. something. You know, and the dog is looking at me like, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, don't look at me. You know, she did it. You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, I wouldn't have done that. I, you know, I don't know you. You know, it's okay. We don't have a problem. But yeah, we don't have a problem. So I just don't understand it. And I, if I if I remember, there was a, a Kirby enthusiasm episode where Larry throws like he eats an apple and he throws it. In, he's walking down a street and he throws it in somebody's garbage can, uh-huh. and the guy blows up at him. He yeah. blows up at him. And Larry doesn't understand. Well, it's garbage. It's garbage. You know how Larry right, is. Right. And then apparently, if I remember correctly, it, the episode ends where the guy, you know, the, guy, well, it's the guy says, don't ever pour garbage in my can again. I'll kick your ass. And then apparently like, they fast forward like 20 minutes and Larry David and Ted Danson, who was a regular on the show right. for a while, they get into some fight. And Ted Danson's walking down the same street and they fought over some T-shirt or some shirt. And it, they get, they end up ripping it up, and uh-huh. they rip it up. And Ted Danson ends up walking down the street and throwing the shirt in the guy's garbage can. And the guy starts running after Ted Danson, like, "I'm gonna kick your fucking ass, man!" You know? Yeah, people with the with the with the uh, the garbage cans. Uh, well, I, well, well, you yeah. know, you're not the only one. I, there's plenty of people I've brought this up to before, and they they say, "Well, what's the big deal, Manny?" Well, I think it comes down to, "Well, it's a big deal because I just explained to you." Right. That, no, I, get, yeah. I get it. Also, it's another big deal. It's like I really don't care for animals to begin with, and if you're going to put your animal feces in my garbage can, you know, you might as well put your fucking animal in there too. Right. You right. know, I, I I I just don't understand. I just don't get people sometimes. It's like, you know, I, 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 like my own family, like my sisters and brothers and, and my wife. Sometimes I look at them and go, what is wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> you're not getting this? I'm explaining this to you. You know, I'm explaining this to you, and this is, it's easy. It's so simple. Do you understand? Now you sound like Larry David. <laughs> yeah, well, now I sound like Larry David, yeah. In many ways, yeah. yeah. He's a good guy. Oh, he's hilarious. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, I, I don't know what else to talk about except uh, did I tell you about those Mardi Gras Indians? Uh, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before. Um, I'm going to the supermarket, and all of a sudden I'm driving down the street, and I'm going, fuck, what's going on here? The cops are blocking off the roads, and it's Super Sunday. Sure, sure. It's, Which Super Sunday for all you uh, white people out there in uh, Middle America? It's uh, the big day. I don't think Middle America is listening to us. It's not during uh, <laughs> some lower Middle America, possibly. <laughs> um, so it's a day that all of the Mardi Gras Indian tribes, the 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 traditional marching organizations of of Black Mardi Gras Indians, Creole Mardi Gras Indians, all, all manner of uh, Mardi Gras Indians. Uh, get, get to the point. And have a bit of a powwow. <laughs> yeah, they have know. a little second line. They call it or whatever they fuck they call it. Super Sunday. They, yeah, all, they, they have, have meetings. They have dance offs. Whatever you know, challenges, and yeah. uh, it's very ceremonial. And uh, it's it's a it's a big deal. Right. So, so anyway, I totally didn't realize that it was Super Sunday in my neighborhood because they'd like to go off because I live near Zulu. I knew the right. Zulu Social Club. Um, 
so I see the cops. It's like quarter to 11. I see the cops blocking off the street, starting to block off the street. I'm going, what the fuck's going on? And I, I realize, oh, fuck, it's Super Sunday. So I have to get to the supermarket. So I get by just in time. Uh-huh, you escape the neighborhood. Just, just yeah. escape the neighborhood just in time to get to do my grocery shopping. And I started thinking to myself, you know, Mardi Gras Indians, isn't Mardi Gras over? It's over. It was like in February. Sure. Yeah, and then I thought to myself, well, if they're Mardi Gras Indians... Are there Mardi Gras cowboys? Because <laughs> you have cowboys and Indians. Cowboys and Indians, you know, okay. I and, see where you're coming from. Yeah, and... Um, yeah, the cowboys not so popular. <laughs> there, there really aren't... The, you know, there's a lot of... Lot, certainly a lot... I don't know if there are no Mardi Gras cowboys, but certainly they're very few and far between. And could we get them to fight each other? <laughs> <laughs> the Indians versus the Cowboys. Okay, you know? not real fighting, just uh, some, well, some, some dance off, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, something some like that. You know, um, so I just thought of that because I had nothing else to think about as I was waiting and stuff like that. But um, no, it's it's a it's a very interesting uh, cultural phenomenon that we have here. It's one of the things that you know makes New Orleans unique. Uh, you know, that you don't you don't have these kind of cultural anachronisms other places where not only do we have them we celebrate them we we uh we um codify them we lionize them codify what does that mean codify yeah we 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 make official (laughs) you're using some big words renee (laughs) probably misusing some big words um, I just like to throw them in just for the sound. You know, a lot of times, I've said this before on the podcast, maybe not one that's going to actually air, but, you know, a lot of times I say things just sometimes just because of the way I think they're going to feel coming over my teeth, just the way the words are going to feel coming over my, my lips and teeth. You know? Right. And, yeah. And well, that you gotta, can be enough. Or, hey, listen, like any uh, entertainer, you've got to put your stuff out there, and if it gets a response, it gets a response, and if it dies, it dies. Well, and, and even yeah. it's, it's, it's you've, you've told me that before, and really I've thought about it. It's not so much the response that it's going to get. It's how the response it's going to get out of me. It's like, how is it going to, is it going to, is it going to tickle me if I say this thing? And a right. lot of times I'm the only one that's tickled, but a lot of times that's enough. <laughs> you know, it really doesn't matter if anyone else is appalled by it. Well, that's know? it. I mean, there's a lot of great entertainers and comedians. Like, look at like Kaufman, Andy Kaufman, who like did stuff that just died on stage, but he was happy with it. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm telling you, you know, if if at some point you're trying to affect, you're just trying to have an effect. Right. It doesn't have to be even necessarily a positive effect. It can be just you change the temperature in the room. You change the barometric pressure in the room by something you say or some situation you create. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it feels like now we're alive. Now something is actually happening. Well, it's like um, you say that, the effect and how it you know, affects people. And, of course, me, um, some people get me and some people don't. Um, and um, this is an example. Um, I bumped into somebody, a parent of my, a friend of my daughter's, and um, I don't know if I said this before, but anyway, um, I bumped into them, and they said, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. And I said, hey, what's going on? And they said, um, and this is typical Manny Chevrolet stuff. 
They said, oh, well, um, are you going to uh, so-and-so's bat mitzvah next month? Uh-huh. And I said, oh, yeah. Let me ask you something about that. And she said, what? I said, this bat mitzvah, are there going to be any Jews there? <laughs> and she said, what? What? I said, are there going to be any Jews at this bat mitzvah? Because I, I, I need to know right now. Uh, and I'm just being, you know, I'm being, I'm, right, right. I'm being Manny. Winding her up. Yeah, I'm winding her up. <laughs> and she's not even like the parent of the girl or anything. Right, like right. She's she's just someone she's who's just going. Horrified yeah. because she. Th- uh, yeah. yeah, I know people. So of are course, so, it's, of course, oh, it's God. spread. It's wow, wow, it's good spread. for you, Manny. It's spread. By all the way, of, folks, I'm Jewish. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you <laughs> have, Manny's practically Jewish. Yeah, well, you, you, he was raised with Jews. Yeah, so, you, you, you know, have to have a sense of humor, man. Right? Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, that's hilarious. So I got to use that one. Yeah. So it spread. So it spread. What, so it spread. Social media was this? Uh, no, were, it were wasn't. You pilloried? No, no, were you it wasn't. On, it just on social media. No, it was crucified just, on 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 Twitter. No, because I'm not. I'm not on any of that stuff. I know you're not paying attention. So yeah, they could do whatever they want. I but apparently, it, it spread a little bit where, um, so, you know, like I went to pick up my kid from, you know, school and someone who would usually talk to me didn't talk to me kind of stuff. Wow, wow. You know, but, but they must understand. I mean, they must, you know. I, you know, Manny, that's what I think. They must, but think some I'm, people af- don't. I'm afraid that, that some people don't. You know, and I was thinking riding on the way over to, to meet you that, this podcast, in a way, is it's a it's a an opportunity for us to accelerate all of these things that we do on a one on one basis in yeah. terms of either ingratiating ourselves yeah. or alienating people. We can just do it so much faster. We can alienate tens of people with these well, podcasts. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's it goes back to like the whole thing that came up with the good, the, right, the right, good right. thing. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh man, those poor people, they died in that good. I care less about those fucking people. Yeah, you can only say that to so many people in right. person, but if you do it on a podcast, right. you know, we're gonna, somebody yeah. could hear it and, and be really inflamed and just, just uh, spit it out there onto the, onto the whatever. And if they stop listening, good. Good. <laughs> no, well, I, you know, our, our uh, thought is, well, some people may stop listening. Those are the people who want to stop listening. Right. Other people may think, Good. No, I'm going to start listening. That's, right. Uh, yeah. Know, that's how you find your people. You know. That's well. When I said that, you know, I said it like I always. You know, it's coming from. It's not. Of it's, course, it's not hateful. It's no, not hateful. No, I, of course I, not. I, it's of not course hateful. Not, man. It's, just, it's just like in fact. In fact, during Mardi Gras season, I uh, uh, my brother-in-law invited me to a. He he was writing in Zulu this year. Uh huh. And he says, I got extra tickets for this Zulu party. And I said, right. well, I don't want to be around all these black people. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just don't want to do it. He, he knew what I, I was right. kidding. Right, he knew you were joking. Yeah, but, you know, so, so it's the same thing. It's, yeah, it's like, exactly the same thing. Like, I'm yeah, not going no. to that Mexican wedding. That's just going to be a fight. Yeah. Someone's going to get killed. Someone's going to get stabbed. <laughs> yeah, I know. Gonna, I'm, I'm not doing it. 
doing it. You know? Look, I'm Mexican. I yeah, know how the yeah, shit goes I, down. I know how it goes down. <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. You know, so, uh, so it, it did kind of like, it, it, for some reason I said it to the wrong person and they just, or the right person. Or the right person who is like the Calgon commercial and so on and so on and yes, so on. Yes, exactly. You know, ancient Chinese secret. secret. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. A very so, timely yeah. reference there. But I did RSVP. I am going to the party. Right on. You know, I am going to the party. So, um, whatever. Well, you know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. You know, again, fame. You know, it's, you, it's May. It's May thirteenth. So after May thirteenth, I'll let you know what happens if I'm. You know, um, yeah, you're gonna have to give us a, a recap yeah, of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're gonna have to follow up on uh, on uh, you know what kind of sense of humor these Jews have after all. Well, you know, it's not all I'm, Jewish people you know, have the greatest have a good sense of humor. Well, I, now I'm guessing that the person you said that to was not Jewish. Um, no. There you're you right. You're there right. You go. You're right. You're there right. You go. You're Nobody right. ever said Gentiles have a great sense of humor. No, 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 exactly. Some do. Yeah. Some don't. Some do, some don't, some get it, some don't, you know, whatever. I don't care. I don't care anymore. What do you want what are we talking about? Uh, this might be a good time to wrap it up, man. All right, Troubled Nation. My name is Manny Chevrolet. Renee Coleman. Uh, we're signing off. Till next time. Um, fuck off. All right. All right. Have a good day. As we always say. <laughs> Trouble never ends. Trouble never ends, people. Get used to it. But the struggle continues. The struggle continues. Get used to it. Good night. Good night.